the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Howdy. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. She hasn't fired me yet. Not yet. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're joining. You're in for a treat today. But first, let me tell you the stuff I have to tell you. The show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Who who pays for us? (laughs) Sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and recovery program. The detox portion is located inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. It's a 10 to 14 day detox. We take all insurances, including Medicaid and Medicare. Uh, And then if you complete our detox program, you have the opportunity to sign up for two years of free recovery coaching and aftercare. There's a whole lot that comes with that. But basically, the recovery coaches like myself, we walk alongside you for two years to help you build a better life. Anything you need, we're there to navigate with you. So if you or a loved one would like any information about that, please Mm -hmm. give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673, or visit our website, mhdrp.org, mherperderp.org. You're hearing us today on KPRC 950, 1 p.m. Central in the H, Houston, Texas. You can listen to us as well on the iHeartRadio app. KPRC has their own channel, so if you are not in the Central Time Zone, you are not in Houston, but you want to hear us, just pull up the iHeartRadio app. At the end of the day, they will upload our segment to the podcast section under Relevant Recovery Radio. That's, that's our channel, Relevant Recovery Radio. Yep. And you can go listen to all of our past segments. And Why do you call them segments? They're episodes. Is, it, is that what it is? Yeah. And you know what? Today's episode 99. 100's mm. coming. I got 99 problems and you're one of them. I'll tell you that right now. So if you can go ahead and pull up any of our last... <laughs> 98 episodes. Episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just suggest that you judge Heather heavily and leave your comments on our Facebook. What's our Facebook? Speaking of which, if you want to follow us on any social media, you can search at Relevant Recovery Radio on Instagram or Facebook. We are there. And if you leave something on the Relevant Recovery Radio Facebook 24-7, Heather will know it because she can't stop staring at it. So it, she's always there. Are you taking my inventory right now? It's took. <laughs> it's Ben Tooken. Anyways, can we get to our guest? We have someone in the studio with us, and I'm super yeah. excited. So I want to welcome our friend David Sunday to the show. Welcome, David. Glad you're here. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we haven't known each other really long, but I've been getting to know you these last few weeks because we're on a committee together. So I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about several things. First of all, your recovery journey and story because it's an amazing miracle, A. Um, but also you work for the Council on Recovery and you're affiliated with the Party Sober Partnership. And you and I are on a committee for Soberfest. So I want to talk about all those things. A lot to capture today. A lot. A lot, a lot. So let's back up. And you are a person in recovery like me. I am. How long? Um, about to celebrate 10 years in October. Cool. Nice. He's almost 10 too. Y'all are, yeah. y'all are babies. Um, so back up. What, tell me what led you to have an issue with substance use disorder or drugs or alcohol. What did that look like for you? Right. Um, so I'm the, I'm the classic childhood trauma, instability, right? Uh, parents both. Um, Raised by a stepfather who was a combat veteran that was just really um, a severe alcoholic, 
So a lot of al alcoholic dysfunction in my family growing up. Uh, I joined the military to literally escape home, escape a bad situation. Um, both my parents were career-minded, so I, I, you know, didn't grow up in that type of instability. But uh, my dad being um, an engineer at General Motors and a private pilot, and my mom uh, owning health spas for women as I was growing up, I was what they call latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. um, and so raised myself, right? And so... Um, yeah, I had a lot of that going on. Joined the United States military. I guess I, I started using um, drugs and alcohol at a very young age, uh, trying to find connection and I guess just never feeling comfortable in my own skin, what, right? What branch did you join? Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. That was my, uh, my dad was in Air Force. My granddad retired Air Force. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Joined at 17 and um, um, loved being in the military. I was, uh, I'd grown up flying, so uh, the Air Force was a natural fit for me. And uh, did pretty well. Lots of drinking, but mm -hmm. my substance yep. abuse had really um, uh, slowed down a lot from what it was in high school. And uh, my third year of service on a temporary duty assignment, a very close friend of mine uh, was killed in a bus accident on a naval mm -hmm. air station. And uh, I held this person in my arms while, while he passed. And mm -hmm. so... Um, kind of uh, disrupted my military career, started back using substances pretty hard and heavy. And since I was under, since the military had put me under um, uh, psychological care and watch uh, from that uh, incident, uh, an airman, unlike a combat veteran, is no longer suited for duty because right. you can't trust somebody to work on a military aircraft after they've had a trauma-induced um, until they've been um, cleared for okay. duty. So you started using as a coping mechanism. Yes. Me basically, we call it self-medicating. Self-medicating, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so I um, separated from the military there then at three and a half years and uh, met my real father, moved to Houston, Texas. and. Uh, um, Wait, did you say you met your real father? Yeah, it was my stepfather that raised me. Okay, so you had never met your real father? Left when I was very young. I okay. had a little bit of knowledge of him and remembrance of him, but not much. He okay. wasn't around for any of my uh, childhood. So, so okay. you were, after the military, you were maybe searching for family connection and to reconnect with your roots, or how did that occur? I was searching for the next bar room, actually, <laughs> right. when I was when I when I left the military. To well, tell you Houston, if I'm going to be completely honest, Houston is a great place for that. Yeah, absolutely. I found a lot of bar rooms over 25, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, it just you threw that in there. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, where? How did that occur? But so he just got back in your life, but you were still heavily drinking. He was involved in the oil industry down here and promised me if I came down here and worked for him that everything would be okay. great oh, and, yeah. and gravy. But I, I moved down here and sick, within six, the first six months of moving to Houston, I uh, had my first felony conviction. Okay. Drugs? Possession of cocaine. Ah. When Don did they make that a deal? Donnie loves cocaine. <laughs> I don't. No, no, I don't love cocaine. I just really like the way it smelled. <laughs> and it helped you drink longer, it, you said. Yeah, it, so it helped me stay in my body when I was drinking way too much. Instead of time traveling, yeah. I was able to... So see, you are kind of a drug addict. I was telling David that you're not a drug addict. You're just an alcoholic. I just really, really <laughs> like cocaine. So listen, I think that's a good note. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Yeah, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back with David Sunday, and we'll, we'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs>
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I did it quickly. <laughs> We're really glad you're here today. Uh, we want to cover several topics. So we have uh, a special guest in the studio, David Sunday. Sunday you know, I've been... never met uh, anyone without the last name Sunday. Yeah, it's a not fun, common. It's another funny story. It's for another show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we're we're hearing a little bit of David's story. He's he's telling us a little bit of, I guess, the lead up into alcohol drug addiction and um, kind of where his life was taking him. Uh, and then we're also going to cover also today sober fest and a lot of other things that David does um, in, in his in his career now working for the Council on Recovery. So, David, where we left off is that you had left the military, you moved to Houston, and you said within how many months you had already gotten your first felony? And I think I'm giving myself a little bit of grace when I say <laughs> six, but, uh, yeah, very shortly after leaving was, the military, I was already hit the ground running. So. Yeah. And then and then we discussed how cocaine should not be a felony. Right. I but, mean, that's... You know, <laughs> lobby for that. I challenge you. Go lobby yeah. for that and see how that works out. Um, but seriously, do you think that at that chunk of your life that you were just dabbling and having fun and just maybe not smart as a criminal? Or do you think that it had progressed beyond a normal recreational fun point? No, I was running from myself. Okay. Uh, okay. One of the things that I'm really also good about is um, uh, doing everything to the max, right? And so mm. I'm also working has always been an addiction for me, mm. right? Like the old additive, I, I I do more cocaine so I can work more, so I can work more hours, right? Yeah. yeah. That was me. That's that That's totally me. So... Um, yeah, I was already running from myself at okay. this point, right? Uh, running from my childhood instability and trauma mm-hmm. and then um, what I know now to be PTSD. It right. wasn't it, it wasn't even a, um, a thing a, back then. A thing, right, when I left the military. So when we talk about that a lot, we talk about the fact that we get to this place where I, I can't stand the the feel of feelings. I, I don't want to be in my own skin. I can be in a room full of people that I call friends or acquaintances and feel alone. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. there's this this internal discontent that I just can't get rid of. Do you identify with that similar feeling? I still struggle with it actually. Yeah. 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 It's pretty much pretty much daily, weekly that that describes me to a T, yeah. right? I've I've done a lot of work around it in the last three years, which is Actually, part of Party Sober Partnership, which we'll get to. And okay. Did, did you have any sort of spiritual background growing up to have any sort of tools, that spiritual tools? The normal church on Easter, right? Okay. Grandparents, yeah. Yeah. that kind of... Uh, my grandparents uh, were the staple in my life. The only... I guess probably the only love that I knew from a parental figure came from my grandparents, uh, which were four hours away from okay. where I grew up. So they weren't around all the time, but I did have that connection to them uh which is probably what saved my my right. life it's at, at some point so um yeah so i guess that that um i just started collecting felonies after that you know <laughs> it, was, it was kind of kind of my job man um yeah um in county jails in and out of county jails um working lots of hours and using various different substances the bar mm-hmm. room was a, was a, a um a part of my life uh, pretty much every night and, um, yeah. Um, what was your favorite hang in Houston? What, 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 mine was Cecil's. Yeah. I was over on the, um, I was over in the Sheldon, uh, area hog stop. Uh, okay. That, okay. That, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That I have kinda, no idea what y'all are talking about yeah. right now. Just, just the old, you know, bar room, honky stomp, whatever they call them, honky tonk stomp, whatever. But the old, that's, 
we we would go to we would ride our bicycles uh, out on like Allen Parkway to exercise, but we would end up at Cecil's and end up having to get somebody to come pick us up on our bikes because we couldn't ride home. Yeah, uh, and we were at Cecil's every night. When you said bike, you mean bicycles? Yeah. What you is know, wrong with you people? I, it's called exercise. Oh, uh, I don't do that. Um, so, <laughs> so you said the felonies started stacking up. How how is that? the acceleration of your drinking and drugging career, what did it look like at the end? Yeah, um, my substance abuse, I, you know, I, I got that first, uh, that first felony, they put me on probation. I, I just couldn't stay clean. I, yeah. was, I was using, I was medicating my, mm-hmm. my pain. And, did uh, you want to? I never had the, it never came to my mind to get sober, right? right. Nobody right. ever offered me treatment in, in this whole journey. Nobody's ever said, hey, you need to go to treatment. Hey, yeah. you know, I, 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 I did the AA thing just because they said, go to AA and get a meeting sheet signed yep. by my parole or my probation officer, right? That's right. the only... Um, you got what they called the nudge from the judge. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> I, I, as an addict, I, I, I learned the manipulation factor. I'll go to work oh, yeah. and, hey, sign my, sign my sheet for me so they yeah. think I was at AA, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, I ended up getting a... Uh, two-year sentence and did my first uh, stint in Huntsville. It was pretty quick. I was up and back, um, uh, came back, and again, just couldn't stay clean. So I ended up, while I was on parole for the first felony, um, caught another charge. Mm -hmm. Uh, My family was able to bond me out before the blue warrant hit, and I decided I didn't want to be accountable to that right now. I would take care of it later, and I ended up uh, leaving uh, the city. Okay. You um, ran from it. Ran from that uh, blue warrant. An, an emergency geographical. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and not only on the blue warrant, but I was also out on bond. So I'm running mm. from bond in a blue warrant. What's a, what's a blue warrant? A uh, blue warrant is what drops on you when you, uh, they violate your parole. So that means it's like an automatic return. If you get a if you get any type of a charge while you're on parole, they drop what's called a blue warrant on you and your pro- parole pull. Pro- your parole officer pulls your parole. So you oh, go back to prison. so you're going back. Yeah. Okay, so that's what you're leaving from. You're like, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yes. Okay. So that turned into an eight-year run. Okay. Um, you know, uh, living in small towns, uh, um, and I finally got caught in Ohio, where my family is originally from, living up there. I'd gotten my life back together. Was still drinking a lot, um, but I uh, was going back to school. Uh, managing at a Sears Hardware, and had somewhat got my life back together. Um, had had come clean to my family um, about what was happening, and they extradited me back here to Texas to stand oh. at the. Um, so it sounds like for a, for a period of time, uh, fear sobered, sobered you, you up a bit. bit. It did. Although looking over your shoulder all the time is no not any life to live. It's terrible. And uh, I know I, I actually- live that every day, but it's usually just to see if she's going to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Shut <Yeah>. up. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, but I think because some people, for some people, they get one felony or one major life event, and that scares them enough to just get sober. Amateurs? Well, I'm not going to say that because they might be listening to the show. But what I'm saying... Oh, one felony. That's what you got? What I'm saying is some of us of the powerless type or that went farther down that scale, like it doesn't matter what consequence gets thrown at us. We're just unable to stay stopped because we don't have the skill set to live life happy and normal otherwise. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 
So I, I ended up uh, getting a, my family once again used uh, their influence to get me most uh, mostly out of the trouble. The judge wanted to give me a lot of time and mm -hmm. I ended up getting it bargained down to three year sentence, did most of that sentence, came back out and uh, um, started using right away. I learned, I learned in the transition from the second trip to prison to uh, my return back to the free world about methamphetamine. Uh, and, yeah. um, um, that's yeah, a whole nother ballgame. Things started going severely downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, and I think it's because of I was I was raised in the suburbs that my form of amphetamine was Adderall. Yeah. Right. Uh, I used to eat those like vitamins. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Okay. So, uh, as you're moving through this, here's what I want to kind of point out to our audience. What What I think I hear you saying is that you're Drinking and using had progressed to a stage where consequences meant nothing. It was just part of the game. You just finished a second time in prison. And yeah. and knowing that if I get in trouble again, I'm going back, right? Yes. That's a life changer. And, and that's what I want people to understand is that if you have the illness of alcoholism or addiction, those family members of yours that keep doing it, that keep going back, um, Heather always talks about if you have a loved one, and I always say if you, you have, have an unloved, unloved one, one. <laughs> right? It, it's they they don't they may not have a choice, and it sounds like you were at the stage where you didn't have a choice. Yeah, you know, it it was no longer a conscious choice for sure. Right, absolutely. Right. So, um, and and that's just something important for people to remember is that you hit a stage in alcohol and drug addiction where literally there is no willpower. There is. You just don't have a choice. It's an we illness. Gotta, we got to take a break. Yeah, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back in a few minutes with David Sunday. This is Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio with hosts Heather and Donnie Mosier and special guest David Sundays in the studio talking about his journey to recovery. And we're going to get to Soberfest and some cool stuff that he does. In that was Houston a pretty community. smooth reentry. Is that what you're asking of me? That's what I would like you to do every time. Wow. All right. But let me just say real quick, if you or a loved one would like any information. Or an unloved one. About the Matthews Hope Detox, give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE, which is 844-263-4673, or visit mhdrp.org. If you're dealing with a loved one or a family member, please understand that um, the illness There's of alcoholism, the them. illness of addiction is... Really, it's kind of no different from cancer. Once we have that illness... You can't decide not to have it, and, right. it, and it requires special treatment. And uh, not a, it's not cookie-cutter. Not everybody's the same. And so I'd like to kind of volley this opportunity. David, what worked? How did you end up getting and staying sober? What was that journey like for you? Yeah, well, we can't talk about this without uh, fast-forwarding to uh, 2009. I left my house um, after being up for several days and uh, had a motorcycle wreck, wound up in a ditch, um, and was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, wow. Um, and two little girls found me on a four-wheeler, and they transported me to Ben Taub. I spent six months in Ben, ben Taub, uh, had spinal decompressive therapy. They shaved C2 through C7 on the back of my neck, and... Uh, no health insurance, um, and cut me. As I just started to get my legs back, they cut me loose back to my home. Um, and um, now, 
my ever-growing um, addiction to methamphetamine was combated with a, an addiction to opioids. Pain pills. Uh, yep. So um, returned home with uh, no aftercare for the surgery and started to um, become an IV drug user, mm-hmm. uh, shooting um, lots of different drugs, whatever I could get my hand on. What was your What was your drug of choice? Heroin? Were you shooting? Like Heather loved to shoot. What was that? Delighted fools. <laughs> Delighted. <laughs> yeah. Um, OP I, something, no, Roxy Soxies. No, I don't really know this drug lingo. This drug lingo. I just went right to now. a bar and Let I gave him a credit card. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, methamphetamine was my my drug of choice. Okay, right? okay. So you like to go up? I did. Right. Um, I've always been a hyper guy, mm-hmm. and it uh, you know where I'm not a great drinker because I get drunk really quick. I can do yeah. a lot of of meth and stay up for many days so um, that was kind of what I got caught into and uh, uh, but the ivory drug use takes a drug addiction to To the very next level Mm -hmm. where there is uh, so many different factors that come with it Um, so um, fast forward to 2013 and um, um, some some drugs were sold at my home um, to an undercover police officer and although I didn't Sell the drugs. Everybody says that, right? I didn't sell the drugs. No. Uh, was it me? Right. Uh, even though I didn't sell the drugs, I did pass them. And yeah. So yeah. They, had, uh, uh, they had me on um, video passing the drugs mm. and had a sealed indictment for me and came back and got me. Um, and I found out very quickly when they processed me in that, um, that my the sentence carried 5 to 99 for manufacturing and delivery. Uh, but with the felonies that I had collected over the years... Uh, put me into the realm of a habitual fender. Yeah. Um, and so that sentence carried uh, 25 to life. Mm. So, I and can- that is life. You're at life or death at this point, right? Because if you don't get arrested, you're on your path to death from right? drugs. And, or- and, and you do get arrested and you're on your path to prison. I mean, where's the choice, right? Now you're like, okay, uh, I, I'm screwed either way. Montgomery County Police Department saved my life, bottom line, right? Yeah. Well, if you would see my mugshot when I was processing in, I was on the brink of death, right? Uh, you know, I was I, like 120 pounds, and I'm already a thin guy, and it was just, yeah. it, it, it was concerning, right? Um, so, um, anyways, it, it was really strange. I started to get, it's forced sobriety, right? You're in, you're, you're, you're in county jail, um, but very quickly, people started talking to me, could tell I, I needed healing yeah. right and I, I literally started to um explore a healing journey just because i thought i was going to need this to go to a prison sentence for the rest of my life right. right so um the way it started for me is every time they called church catholic christian uh <laughs> every time a pastor came into the pod and said church i stood up and went yeah, yeah. every time they called a 12-step meeting N-A-A-A-C-A, I was, I was there. I had it all, right? I, I needed, I struggled with it all. I'm going to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Was it, now was it to get out of your pod? Was it, you, you were, were looking, you were different? seeking. For the first help. time, I knew something was so broken in me that's going to yeah. have to be fixed if I was going to go to the penitentiary for the rest of my life. I was going to need some type of a higher power to help me get through that. Right? It was like a full surrender for you. Yes. Okay. So um, through Because the, people, people don't get it. Just because you're in prison doesn't mean you're automatically sober. There's plenty of drugs and alcohol in prison. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Absolutely. plenty. I got, loaded, I got loaded in jail. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So through that work, um, 
my higher power started showing up in my life. Miraculous things started happening. Uh, a veteran liaison came and called in my pod one day, are there any veterans? I raised my hand and he called me outside and I told him my story. And for the first time, he goes, that is unacceptable for a United States veteran. We're going to get you some help. For the first time, something changed in me where I felt wow. like somebody saw me and validated my pain. There's and, some hope. Yeah. And here I'm thinking I'm going to prison. How's this guy going to help me, right? I'm yeah. going to prison for the rest of my life. So there was just something that was changing. Um, the chaplaincy started realizing that I was real with my walk with God and invited me to uh, start to work on a correspondence seminary degree through the Texas Baptist Men's really? Association. Okay, okay. Okay. So, um, so I started sponsoring men and working with people. I, I actually, um, they gave me, it was crazy, the same police officers, because Montgomery County is very small, yep. the same police officers that had chased me around, that I had known in my, mm -hmm. uh, um, in the world outside of, were watching me get sober. So it was like even less about me and more about God showing the power that he had over somebody that was the hopeless. police department thought was so lost, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I started, I spent every day just exploring that relationship with my with my higher power. Um, and um, things started to change in my life. They started to change in my life in the county jail in a way they never had ever, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I knew there was some kind of a power here. Um, I took that case. I had fired two court-appointed attorneys. They weren't doing anything for me. The county came all the way down to 12 years, and I thought at 45 years that was going to be a life sentence That's anyways. It, yeah. mm -hmm. So I just kept denying. I can remember telling my lawyer at one point, I said, uh, uh, my sentence isn't going to come from man. It's going to come from God. And she looked at me, and she goes, Mr. Sunday, God is not going to get you out of this one, right? <laughs> and uh, so and uh, I was just starting to trust, man, trust in something that was greater than myself. Yeah. And so um, – Two days before trial, I took this case all the way to trial. Um, and two days before trial, my lawyer, who hadn't even shown up for court the prior three times, walked into the courtroom and goes, Mr. Sunday, um, I'm the new prosecuting attorney of Grimes County, and I must close your case today. Will you sign for a two-year sentence? At this point, I had 18 months done in the county jail, and I fell to my knees in the courtroom and started sobbing like a baby. Oh, because you would get that 18 months time served. Yes. Oh, wow. So you had six months left. I had actually three. They gave me, um, so they, wow. within two weeks, I was already catching chain to TDC to an ID unit. They shaved my head, ID'd me, and... Um, you were ready to go. Yeah. See, this is something that... <clears throat> this Only is God something, can do, number one. But it's something that Heather and I have seen repeated. Yeah. It's repeated and repeated and repeated. I have sponsored many men who are... I sponsored a guy who had been on the run for two years, and his was like aggravated this evading he had some pretty heavy charges on him yeah and in the end by doing what we do showing up and trying to help others and getting a connection to god he ended up serving like two months yeah it's the exact same over and over and and something that my pastor was telling me one time because i told him that i felt weird when people would praise me for being sober praise me for helping oh, others like you're doing such a great job <laughs> and i told him and he goes you know what there's your part and there's God's part. He said, but don't sell yourself short. Because what I'm hearing you say, David, is that you had a, you had the opportunity to, to, to do whatever you wanted inside. 
but you chose to navigate all to of these different helping angles others. of help. So you get connected to God, you start helping others. That's our part. And then God shows up and, and he did boom. his part for you. It's and, about the full surrender, man, actually. Yeah. I, I feel like it's even been my life in sobriety. Every the, the next step is always there in front of me, but God's waiting on me to give it. Yep. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love that. So I, 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 you can keep going. I just, I wanted to point that out. I, I just love that kind of a story, how it's always in that moment where we think this is it. Yeah. And God shows up. And so you fell to your knees, you get time served for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and you, cause you were sober while you were locked up. So that's when the clock started of your sobriety. Yeah. I'm released, um, and the veteran community just surrounded me and started helping oh. me to gather mm. resources. But I, I had um, five felonies at this time, mm-hmm. so it was hard for me to get a job. Yep. I knew that I couldn't go back to construction or I would be using very quickly again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just trusted that I would start a completely brand new life. Okay. Man, that what an amazing story. This yeah. is what I love about the world that we live in now. We get is, to hear stu- God stuff like this. Well, the stories of redemption, yeah. the stories of rebuilding of lives, of new lives, rebirth. So uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back here in just a couple of minutes with David Sunday on Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hi. And our special guest in studio today David is Sunday. David Sunday. Uh, what an amazing story of redemption uh, facing really a, a, a life-ending life sentence. sentence. I mean, like you said, you were 45 and had you come out at, in, in your mid-50s having to start over again. It's like, you know, where do you even start But with God that? just had but, other plans for you in yes. your life. And, and uh and what I, I know today from our experience is when we stay in that posture. Surrender. That posture of surrender, that posture of helping others with what we suffered with, uh, life just continues to get better. And, and I always tell people, they always say, hey, how are you? And I'm like, better than I deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what a life we get to live. So now you're out. Uh, the veterans surround you. Uh, how, how, where do you get to today? Yeah. Well, for me, and this is with a lot of the people that I work with now today, is that I come out of prison with a lot of Bible knowledge, a lot of 12-step knowledge, a lot of sobriety knowledge, and no application. I have have no idea how, and I'm like, man, this is going to be great. I've got all these big plans, and none of them happened the way I I had it envisioned in my head, right? Yeah. Um, So very difficult for me to uh, get a job, very difficult for me to to find other housing, except for um, the um, recovery home that I I was living in. Um, God showed up again, man. I, I, uh, um, almost had to take a job in construction cause I needed to get back to work and start paying bills. Um, child support. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, um, six children. You have I, six children. I do. I feel like we should have talked about that. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I needed to get uh, child support to start paying, almost took a construction job and I met a lady from the council on recovery and she said, Hey, you would make a great recovery coach, man. We really love with the way your recovery looks. And I said, uh, what's a recovery coach? And I went home and looked at, looked it up online that night, and I'm like, I'm going to be a recovery coach. I'm in. So, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, what what is the Council on Recovery here in Houston, Texas? So the council's um, kind of – we pride ourselves on being the place to start. We, um, we're we a resource uh, for the community. Uh, we've been in existence. We're the Houston's oldest and largest nonprofit for addiction services. So, okay. Um, we work with many places like Matthew's Hope. Yep. 
um, and many other treatment centers, helping people to land in their next step in the recovery journey, whatever that looks like. People have different uh, levels of care, of needs. Mm -hmm. um, they have different financial resources. And so what we try to do is to uh, screen somebody uh, based on those uh, on those criteria and then help them to get to the very next step of their of their uh, recovery journey. Sometimes that means at the council. Um, a lot of times that means getting them connected to another resource outside. And of the in council. fact, I got my recovery coach credential at the council on recovery. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. And so they just they have wonderful services, even for people wanting to enter working in, in the industry. too. Yes. And uh, I'm where I'm at and get to help who I get to help, you know, because of the part that council played in my life. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so, yeah, I um, took the recovery coaching class. And again, I, I, I can't not give God the credit for a lot of this, because uh, two weeks later, the council called me and said, we want to make a position for you working <laughs> at the front desk. Uh uh, giving people resources and sharing your hope and strength. And I was mm. like, yes, wow. I'm in, I'm <laughs> in. So, you know, I had no idea what direction my life was going to go. I didn't have any other thing that I had ever done besides construction in an airplane mechanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and here I had a whole new career path that, that was laid out in front of me. Um, and so it was amazing. So I spent the next uh, six months working part-time, working on my recovery coaching hours, getting 500 clinical hours, um, and then the council hired me on full time and I've been able to now not only be a recovery coach back at the place where I got sober at U.S. Vets, they got a contract with them and put me in that place. I've also so that, worked. And they're the ones that surrounded you. So you've gone back to help them. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been at with the council now? I've been at the council for eight years of the 10 years I've been sober. Wow. So, wow yeah, that's great. They, um, and they moved me up, um, allowed me to, um, move up in my career and in my sobriety and they um are have been very good about my job i, I have the best job in the world actually <laughs> uh the council pays me to be active in my own recovery be active in the in the recovery community um and find out what's the latest and greatest trends and what's happening in the recovery community and then return and uh discuss that with our uh, clinical supervisors. So you're like the tentacles. You're out. You're, you're spreading the, out speaking from... Speaking of the tentacles, I want David to tell us about the Party Sober Partnership. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. One of those things. One of those tentacles. Right. So um, Party Sober just came up. I was, I was sharing with Heather and Donnie before the, um, before the show. Um, I was about seven years sober, I guess, whenever I noticed that I was in a very dark place. And mm -hmm. I had done everything that my recovery had told me I needed to do. Family back in my life, um, working a program, sponsoring people, um, volunteer work, everything that my recovery said, career um, that, I, that I needed to put in place. And I felt so utterly alone and in this very dark place. And I was like, what did I miss, right? And the thing that I missed was being David Sunday and comfortable in his skin. Mm. When I wasn't David Sunday from the council, when I wasn't all these things that I was outside of that and just being in a place where I felt okay with just being me. Mm. So I, I put a lot of work into it. Um, and I ended up um, meeting a lady that was the CEO of Justice Forward, Devin Anderson. And in a meeting, she said, why, why do people get seven and 10 and 15 years sober and they go back out? And I said, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I can sure speak for myself. I said, I think there's a feeling that when people get sober, they feel like their life is over. Like everybody else is out having a good time and I'm sober, but I can't do any of that. Right. 
So um, we started looking around at who was doing great sober events in the community, right? And there was a lot of great organizations that were doing these small, like alumni groups and um, within their organization. But we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we pulled in like these key players together and formed a partnership and put on large events and just invited the entire com- the entire recovery community to these events instead of them being uh, siloed and isolated, right? And so we started reaching out to some of the key players um, that were involved in that uh, work. Um, so um, there was a council and Justice Ford, the Phoenix Sober Recreation Committee, Mercy Street, Santa Maria, Open Door Mission, Angela House, the Houston Recovery Center, the Houston Recovery Initiative, and the ReCenter were our initial 11 nonprofits that we uh, proposed this idea to. And they're like, we love it. Let's get, let, let's, let's move forward. So we put together a board of middle management people that worked for those organizations that could make decisions for their organization. And we started doing events. Uh, first event was the chili cook-off um, uh, last year. Because this year's was the second annual, right? This was the second okay, annual, yeah. 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 First annual brought in 375 people. We had a great time. It was a great event. We started doing other events, and then we were approached by the Houston Recovery Initiative and said, hey, you guys are really doing great work. Are you interested in um, helping us to uh, put on and chair the Big Texas Rally? We mm-hmm. were like, wow, this is a huge project, yeah. right? But we're interested. So uh, we ended up renting the Houston Botanical Garden uh, last year and brought 1,100 people in for just a fun day of resources and um, uh, fun speakers, music, and it was really fantastic. So you speaking, guys found a way to build community. Spe- yes. Speaking of music, we have two minutes left, and, and I want to talk about how I got to know David. Your favorite and, music? And No. Oh. Um, but So David and I are on the committee for Soberfest HTX, and the theme this year, which is this, this is the first year, is Recover Out Loud. Yes. And we, I want you to tell us about Soberfest and what it is, why we're doing it, website, all of that. Yeah, super excited about this. This is Party Sober Partnership's new initiative, uh, getting out there. And we, we just, you know, for me, concerts have been a huge, music has been a huge part of oh, yes. my, yeah. my, my life, right? And I felt like I couldn't go to them anymore because... I'm sober and, you know, to be around other people that are drinking and using. So we put together Party Sober Partnership. Uh, uh, Matthew's Hope is one of the sponsors, as well as uh, uh, many of the for-profit treatment providers mm-hmm. uh, work on this committee. And so we're really excited. We, we have seven artists signed to the, to the bill. Um, and we're just going to get together and have a great day, a live concert. Recover Out Loud, Soberfest 2023. We hope this will reverberate into... Every year. Yeah. Well, and you guys and, are doing this at White Oak, right? It's, it's White Oak Music Hall on May 21st from noon to 6. And six, tickets are on sale now. Go to SoberfestHTX.com. And don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. We want to thank you, David. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for sharing your yes, story with you so us. thank you so much. And Thanks for again, having me. Soberfest with the date? Uh, May 21st. White Up Music Hall. White Up Music Hall. Get your tickets so now. So thank you for listening. Hashtag God, God though. though.